0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hope you're doing well. You know, I love marketing. I love real estate. I love marketing. I've always said, you know, the three keys to success in this business are marketing, automation, and delegation. And when you can figure out how to do marketing the right way, automate the marketing, automate the systems and the processes, and then delegate whatever you can't automate out, you're going to have a killer, awesome real estate investing business, right? So um, when I'm I'm always looking for people that I can interview on the podcast, people that I can talk to about one of those three things: marketing, automation, delegation. And I saw Nate, Nate Armstrong is going to be our guest today, talking about, uh, I saw him on Facebook, maybe as an Instagram, but uh, talking about marketing, uh, how he's getting leads from social media, from the Facebooks and the YouTubes and all of that, Instagram even. And so I said, I, I reached out to his team. I said, hey, can I get Nate on the podcast? Let's talk about how to get seller leads and buyer leads from the internet right? From Facebook and YouTube. I mean, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's doing it, but few are doing it well. And so I've gotten to know Nate recently. I got him on the podcast. When i going to ask him a lot of good questions that I think you guys are going to like and appreciate. Um, let's talk about how to get motivated seller leads from social media. Okay, But first, listen, this podcast is brought to you by my book. I have this book called Simple Lease Options. You've seen me talk about it a lot. You can get it for free at this website you see right there, sloclass.com. The easiest and fastest way to do more deals in any market. So when you're just talking to sellers and you're making a cash offer, they say no to that. Most of you all don't know what else to do, right? So what if you had a way where you could make different offers to the same, same seller. If they say no to your cash offer, maybe they say, would say yes to a uh, seller financing or at least purchase offer, something like that. So you can maybe go from getting one out of 30 offers accepted to maybe three out of 30 offers accepted. You can triple your deal flow without doing any more marketing just by giving the sellers more options. It's all about being a transaction engineer. It's about learning how to give the sellers different options. So if they say no to your cash offer, you can offer at least purchase offer. So while all the competition is out there competing For this small little pool of hungry, motivated sellers with equity, now when you learn how to do something like this, you can go after all of the sellers that don't have as much equity, maybe are not as motivated, and you can now do simple lease options, right? So get up, get this book. It's free. Just go to sloclass.com, watch the webinar, and I will give you this book for free. I'll walk through step-by-step how to do these types of deals. Go check it out at sloclass.com. Cool. All right. So let's bring Nate on. Nate, how are you? Good, Joe. How are you doing, man? Good. I'm glad that you're here. Sorry for being late.
1: It's okay. I, I, when I got your text, so you'd be a little bit late, I thought you were just trying to ice the kicker, you know, like get them all frozen and jittery. <laughs> just kidding. Glad to be here, man.
0: All right. So tell us a little bit about you and first talk about your kind of how you got started in real estate. And uh, you're doing some really cool things now with social media and getting sell leads. But how did you get started in the business?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got started from um, a friend that showed me a flip that house show, and then it proceeded to go into this six years of flipping houses. And I got into a development project that put me on my my blind side, my butt. I got kicked, my got my butt kicked on this development project to the point where literally, I remember a day when like I couldn't pay the banks because I was late on this development project. What year was this? This is about five, maybe six years ago. Couldn't pay the banks, couldn't um. Couldn't pay the cabinet supplier. And that was the worst of all. The cabinet supplier literally called me every day at 10 o'clock in the morning. Same call. I remember I'd get my phone and I'd see that number on my caller ID and my gut would just wrench. And I'm like, ah, but I would take his call every day, no matter what. And I remember just going through this period and like praying a lot and just asking for guidance. And all of a sudden in my Facebook newsfeed, like right when the newsfeed started to become cool, there was somebody that kept dropping a real estate deal there almost every day. And I'm like, how is this guy getting deal after deal after deal? And so I reached out to him and I said, Hey, please show me how to do this. I really need this. And, and anyways, we worked something out and he showed me how to do it. And the next thing I know, we, my wife and I, we got four deals done in about a 40 day window. And it was like, seeing a, a river or an oasis in the, in the desert. And we started doing it more and more and perfecting it. And now we're to the point where, with God's blessing, we, we finished those big projects, cleared those, and we're on track now. Like this month, we we're going to close out 18 deals. So pretty cool to, to be on the journey. Where where do
0: you mainly do your deals
1: at? Yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin is like my favorite little hidden market that people call it the Rust Belt, the Upper Midwest, but it's um, it's a great, great place. I even moved there for business for a period of time and we had a lot of fun there. How long ago was that that you started doing those deals? So probably four and a half, five years ago when we really churned up the wholesale machine. In- and that was mainly wholesaling that you were doing? Mainly because I had to generate a lot of cash fast, and um, like I love like your book right now. If some people don't grab it, like if you don't have it yet, you just got to grab it. It's an absolute no-brainer because okay, you pick, you said this right. Most people out there right now are making cash offers on properties, and let's face it, the market is saturated with we buy house type people right now, including Zillow and OfferPad and everybody else. You go in with a cash offer. It's like a baseball player that only knows how to hit a fastball. They're going to strike out. The pitcher's going to throw a curveball. And so with sellers, you cannot just lead with this. I call it a punch in the gut. It's kind of like just throwing this cash offer, hoping that it sticks. You got to go in with a little tact, with a little little more style to you. So like your book is gold. I actually wrote it down. I'm going to grab a copy myself.
0: Nice. Awesome.
1: So do you do creative deals yourself? Yeah, I got a, a, another book on my shelf. It's the 300 ways to creatively make real estate deals. It gets into like land swaps and whatever else. But yeah, we, we do 17 different ways here, kind of fundamentally around subject to wrap mortgages, things like that. But we get creative. We absolutely do because right now sellers will reject you if you're just tossing out cash offers. Very
0: cool. So let's talk about that a little bit more too. Here. What, what are you doing now then in your business? Are you mainly wholesaling?
1: Or are you doing any buy and hold? combination of the both? Yeah, we do a combo. So if if it's a really good property that my wife and I like, we'll typically keep it. If it's a big property, like I just got a 10 unit building not far from me. And so on a bigger deal like that, we'll raise some capital for it. If it's a smaller deal, then we'll just keep it if it makes sense. And then anything else that makes sense for our investors, we've got a, a pool of investors that buy properties from us. We'll just wholesale it to them, make profits there, and then put it over into the buy and hold side essentially. Kind of
0: depends. Kind of depends on the situation.
1: Yeah. All right. So, um, what? What are when you
0: when you find a deal, seller comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to sell this property." Do you tend to lean more towards the cash offer? Do you give the seller all three, four options at once? Does it just
1: depend on their situation? How do you approach the seller? I work backwards, really. I want to have a like I want to have a relationship with them. I'll give you an example. I'm standing in a property that I bought from going through the same ads that we do on social media. Anyways, this seller wanted cash. It's a beautiful property near the right next to the water, all that kind of stuff. He wanted cash for it, and wanted to cash out. And I just asked the question, I said, well, hey, if you had all that cash, what would you do with it? And he said, well, I would probably put it in the stock market. And then I looked at him, I'm like, you'd really risk it in the stock market when it's so high right now. And he's like, well, no, I'd have to find a different spot for it. And I said, tell you what. If I can help you not have to move the money, not have to get nailed with taxes and whatnot right now, and I can make monthly payments to you that are better than what you'd make off your savings account, would you be open to having a conversation about it? And he said, yeah, yeah. Well, what does that mean? And then I started breaking it down. And here we are. We, we got a property that we really wanted without having to take cash out of my personal bank account.
0: So are you owner financing, lease purchase subject to what you do? This one's a wraparound mortgage. And typically what that means is, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. um, because I know it's your personal residence, but like there's an existing mortgage in place, right?
1: Yeah. He's got a small mortgage. Well, when I say small, it's all relative. He's probably got a $400,000 mortgage in place. The property's worth like 700-ish. This is a, a condo. And so he has equity in the property. He's got that 300K equity, so to speak. Well, what we do is we come in and we write a contract that says, hey, think of it like a blanket. I know you know this, Joe. I'm yeah, yeah, this is
0: good. This is really good.
1: So it's like a blanket that wraps around physically is equity and the mortgage. And then the contract outlines that I'm going to make a payment that then goes in to cover the mortgage and the equity. Mm-hmm. And it discusses like where the payment is sent, how it's sent, when it's sent, when it's due, when the deadline is for the overall loan, like all the, the pertinent details like that. But yeah. Right. So
0: you're making the mortgage payment every month still, right? Yourself?
1: Yeah. Yep. I make the mortgage payment every month. That's
0: good. Because, you know,
1: you don't want to be in a situation where you send it to the seller and hope
0: that they make the mortgage payment themselves, right? So, uh, and But then you're also probably giving him some extra money to, you've also created a new note, probably a promissory note, right? Yep. For the equity. Okay, cool. We did a lease option on our own personal residence. Just went to Zillow, found it for sale by owner. At the time... I, this was six, seven years ago, couldn't get a mortgage. They still had things from six years previously that were on my credit and being self-employed, making good money, but my tax returns didn't, weren't what the banks wanted to see in terms of um, debt to income, right? And being self-employed on a jumbo loan makes it even more difficult, right? So then um, I just approached the seller and said, hey, listen, can I just, and it was free and clear, but I asked him, I said, can I lease your property for a year or two and then buy it? He said, Yeah sure, go look at it. So when looked at it, fell in love with the house and the lease optioned it for a few years, turned it into owner financing, and then got a traditional mortgage, bought the house. Yeah, I love, love creative financing for buying your own personal residence. A lot of people don't think about that, but there's a lot of opportunity out there, don't you think, for investors who are making good money, who understand how to structure creative deals. I know so many guys that are doing this get beautiful houses that maybe, you know, you might be able to get a mortgage, but for whatever reason, you may not want to get a mortgage for that house right now. You may want to reserve or save some of your capital for your investment deals, right? Let's talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah. And even beyond like the single family house, like this 10 unit that I'm picking up, there's some seller financing in play too. Like, And I find the bigger the deal that we go into, usually the more sophisticated the seller is, like it's a bigger asset. So usually they're a little more educated on how money works. And so it's even easier to have a conversation around like, hey, well, what if we leave part of your Equity in place. So I absolutely uh, agree with you, Joe. People, real estate investors as a whole, need to learn this from day one. You got to learn it. You got to know it because then when you're sitting with them, having that conversation, and you start to dip your toes in the water, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to say, "Well, what happens if this happens? What what if you get hit by a bus? What if you don't make the mortgage payment?" And you got to be able to recite to them with confidence what's going to happen and outline it so that they feel secure. And then that's how these deals are done. Yeah, really good.
0: Okay, so let's talk about market. Let's talk about social media marketing, how did you stumble across that? Because I'm assuming when you got started, you 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 were learning what everybody else is doing, direct mail, postcards, letters, maybe you were doing driving for dollars, cold calling. Talk about your journey into this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when I had my desperate moment and I really needed to make something happen, I saw this guy posting properties on Facebook and he was doing it In the most hideous way, like it wouldn't work today, what worked five years ago, but he was literally taking a picture of a bandit sign and posting it in the newsfeed. And he was getting activity from people like both sides, buyers and sellers. So, those worked for a while. Now, Facebook, everybody and their brothers jumped on. And so, you got to be much more creative. But that's how I started. I, got, I reached out to him. I asked him for help. He showed me. And I'm like, really? It's that simple? It's like, yeah, you just got to get attention. And so, since then, where we've taken this, though, it's been an entire evolution. But I started paying attention to the details. And the way, that, the way that this happened to me is I was driving my Jeep, going through an intersection. This kid comes barreling over the hill, runs a stop sign, smashes me. And like to rack a Jeep, like he twisted me around. I jump out of my car. I look at his car and I'm like, oh my, oh my God, his his hood was smashed up. Into, I run over to his car and I, I open the door. I'm like, are you okay? Thank God his airbags went off. Kid saved, saved his life from the airbags. So then we start to calm down. His dad shows up, the police shows up. And then next thing I know, they're having me talk to their insurance company and their insurance company says, hey, we're going to take care of everything. Don't worry. We know that it wasn't your fault. They send me to two auto body shops. I got to call them first. Then I'm supposed to go in and get estimates. Well, I call them. The next thing I know, both of them are calling me left and right, like every day. And I'm so busy. I don't have a car. I'm frustrated. I got to get back to work. So I just ignore them all. And then I had a text message from one of them, from Andrew Autobody. And it says, hey, Nate, just so you know, we can come like we already spoke to the insurance company. We're authorized to come to your house and pick up your Jeep and we'll drop off a rental car. And I saw that and I'm like, is this even real? Like, yes. They did exactly that. They maybe docu-signed some paperwork. And then I sat there thinking like, I wonder how often our sellers are feeling the way that I felt like Mm -hmm. busy with life, frustrated, like whatever it was. And how often like, are we just trying to call those sellers and they're not answering because those people were trying to call me for two weeks straight and I didn't answer the call. And so I started testing different text campaigns and email campaigns. Like I know how to get the leads to come off the platforms. That's the easy part. But then getting them to convert, that's where most people fall out. So I just started testing these messages and seeing where leads fell off. And I paid attention to every little detail. And I finally figured it out where I could get them, these sellers to say, yes, I'm really ready now. Let's have a real conversation. So that's kind of the evolution of, of what, we, what we had to do to make social media marketing work. I, I think I just remembered the ad that I saw you. In. Oh, yeah. Which you,
0: maybe I'm wrong. I'm sorry if I'm getting confused with somebody else. Were you talking to a camera? You're kind of leaning over the hood of a car, and there was a house behind you.
1: Yeah, yeah, ninety-one forty-nine North 49th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, that is it. Okay, <laughs> because before we went
0: live here, I was trying to remember where you. And so I followed your. I clicked on your ad. I looked at your um, uh, what you were teaching thought, Man, this is fantastic, and I really liked how uh, you you're open with your faith. I loved how you're you're really. You seem like a guy who really just wants to help. And that comes across with your students and with the clients, you you know, that you're helping, but also the sellers as well. And that's so important. You talked about it a little bit when you ask these sellers these kinds of questions. You know, you're you're trying to make money. Obviously, you're not a charity. Right. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem like you want to make money at the expense of taking advantage of a seller in in a difficult, tough situation.
1: Precisely. But like right now, the world has been turned upside down over the last year and a half. And there's a lot of people that are in unfortunate circumstances. So like they sense when someone's trying to be a shark. And so like the, the very first thing, is okay if I teach something on this? Yeah, come on, Bill. Okay, so the very first thing where I see people kind of making a mistake and we got to slow it down a little bit is that when you first engage with a seller, you got to understand that they've got pressure on their shoulders. Like they might not ever say it, they probably won't say it, yeah. but they've got a kid in college, they're getting moved across town or to maybe to a different city because they lost their job here. This house that they've got, like they've been paying the mortgage for 14 years there is mental pressure on them to make the right decision on this property. So the very first thing that I do whenever I approach a seller, I don't care if it's on the phone or if I'm going up to shake hands. And I'm picturing this because I literally did it with the house that you saw in that ad. I met him and his wife. His name is Kong, K-O-N-G. I walked up. The the first phone call with him was rough. It was like, are you going to pay me retail price? I said, I don't know yet. I I haven't been there. I haven't seen it. He's like, well, if you're not going to pay retail, don't even come. I said, how about this? I'll come take a walkthrough with you and then we'll we'll, we'll let you know right on the spot. It's like, okay. So I felt that tension on the call. So the first thing I did when I got there, I, I walked up, I shook his hand and I said, Hey Kong, this is the pressure relief part. Okay. Hey Kong, just so you know, sometimes these deals work and sometimes they don't. I might be able to help you today. Best case scenario. But if I can't, just so you know, I'll probably be able to refer you to somebody that can. And I watched like tons of pressure just come off of him. And he's like, oh, okay. And next thing I know, we're taking a tour of the house. We're sitting down at his dining room table. He's pulling out his mortgage statements. He's telling me that another investor already made a lowball cash offer. He's telling me that a realtor was there and tried to list his house, but he wouldn't do the listing agreement. And then we were talking so like direct with one another because we were just being honest. I was able to say, hey, Kong, what do you really want? Like, You said no to these other two people. What are you trying to achieve? Just, Just lay it on me. He said, Nate, I need seven grand to move to a new city. My brother's got me a job. I need seven grand. And I said, Kong, if I get you the seven grand, net, 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 seven grand in your pocket, are you a happy camper? He said, well, well who would take care of the house? And I explained the details. And I said, yeah, I, I, I'll take care of all that. Seven grand. We shook hands. I remember it. It was 43 minutes because I record myself when I'm talking to get better at stuff. 43 minutes start to finish. Well, other two people struck out. Yeah. We got the deal because we did right by the seller and listened. Yeah, I love that. I love that. can't tell you
0: how many times I've lost deals because I've come to the seller with just one agenda in mind, right? To beat them down in price yeah. and to, to give them a, just a cash offer, trying to make a square peg fit in my, my round hole and it just didn't work. But when you can ask questions, questions like, you know, why do you want to sell the house? What are you going to do with the money when you sell? It? What, what are some of your goals? What do you really need out of this? Just asking simple questions. But I love too, how you set up the agenda and you gave them permission to say no, and you told them, "I'm going to give you all your options, and if it doesn't work out, that's fine, right?" That comes across so much better because I, I often say this too: when the, the harder you chase sellers, the faster they'll run. Right? And so, if you are chasing them, if you're desperate, if you become the motivated buyer, and uh, you're trying to convince them and talk them into something they don't want to do, man, they can smell that desperation from a mile away, and they'll run. And I always say to the sellers too, and I know you know this name. I'm just talking to the audience here as well. I always try to give sellers their options, and I tell them you should list it with a realtor if you really want the most money and you want to sell it the fastest and be completely done with it. You should list it with an agent, and I'll give you referrals. You know, if you want to talk to some agents. But if you just want me to take care of this for you, take it as is. Then maybe we can talk about that, and I can make some offers. You can look it over, talk about it with your wife, and maybe we can go forward from there. Is that okay with you? Right? People love that that
1: you're giving them those kinds of options, right? They'll feel that. They trust you more. They feel your sincerity. And I know yeah. it's coming from a place of service at that point. So
0: it's not a mind
1: Jedi trick either.
0: It's just it's a genuine, honest sincerity. You want to I had one lady who reminds me, um, I called her about a house. She had a list for rent, a real nice house. And that's just talking to her a little bit. And um, she said, well, I'm not going to just give it away. I don't You know. Are you just one of those vultures? Like, no, you know, I'm just, I'm an investor. Yeah, but I, I'm looking for a nice house that I can maybe... I knew she didn't have enough equity. She just bought it three months earlier, but it was already listed for rent. Anyway, it turns out after talking to her and just being nice, she just told me everything. She said, Joe, I'm going through a divorce. we just bought this house three months ago. I'm going through a divorce. I don't care if you take over my mortgage and just pay me rent or whatever for, for the next 30 years. I don't want this house anymore. Just help me get out of it. You know? And I wouldn't have ever gotten this. She was a really hard-crusted you know, shell at the beginning, hard to get through and get any of my questions answered. And I just started listening to her. She then opened up and just told me, that, right? You get that a lot. You get that a lot the more you're in this business.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's that that pressure that someone has. And we would never know that unless we actually let them open up to us. Yeah. So many people just try to come in and like, and I know because like I'm an introvert at heart too. So it's easier just to like kind of get down to brass tacks. Like, hey, what are the numbers? What are you looking for? But that's the the wrong approach to to really serve someone. You got to understand what their situation is, because at the end of the day, it's not just the number that influences it. I, I was sitting at a closing table with a seller named Chris and his two sisters Dad had passed away years prior. Mom just passed away. So now they're selling the property to me. And at the closing table, Chris said, "Hey Nate, just so you know, I had another offer on this for ten grand more, but I didn't take it." And I said, "Chris, why didn't you take it, man? I, I wouldn't have been offended." Like he's like, "No, no, no, it wasn't about the ten grand. We really appreciate that you're letting us come back and see the property after it's fully renovated." To my sister, she wants to see it the way that Dad had it. I learned so much that day from from Chris. He taught me such a big lesson. It's not just the number this 10 unit building that, that I'm working on right now, like it's not the number. Like the guy was open book, he told me, I don't need the money, I don't need the money. I, I do this for fun, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty pretty bold. You can say that that's awesome, but it's totally for fun for him. And he's like, Look, you know, he does projects like this to keep his mind going.
0: All right, guys, just so you all know, we're doing this live right now on Facebook and YouTube. There's a bunch of you watching right now. If you have any questions for Nate, please type them in the comments below the YouTube or the Facebook video, and I will ask Nate your questions. Okay, So I got some more questions for myself, but if anytime we're going through this, now is a chance. Type in your questions in the comments or Facebook comments there, YouTube or Facebook comments, and I can pop them up on the screen and we will ask Nate. All right. So Nate, what percent of your marketing budget right now goes to social media, Facebook ads, YouTube, things like that?
1: Yeah. Great question. It's probably like, well, when you say the percentage, let me break it down a little bit more. We get I'd say 80% of our current deals from our our organic strategy, which sometimes shocks people because people are like, they'll say, well, I tried that. I tried posting in groups or I tried posting on my newsfeed. And that's not what I'm talking about. Like that's kind of a shotgun approach. I'm talking about more of a surgical approach, surgical approach where we actually get sellers to come to us. Like my inbox right now, my messenger inbox is blowing up. I got too many people in there to respond to. So my assistants in there pulling people out right now, like, so... The organic side is more powerful now. If you would have asked me a year ago which side was more powerful, I would have told you our ads were more powerful. But the elections last year, things got distorted. As a fellow advertiser, you probably felt it too. Like I learned really quick that I could not compete with Joe Biden in ad spend. So um, and right Especially now
0: Wisconsin is swing state, right? Oh
1: man, yes, yes. <laughs> so I started like just as good entrepreneurs do. Like I'm always testing stuff and trying to make sure that I've got whatever's going to work if something's not working. And we figured out the organic side, it works really well. And then we supplement it now with paid ads. So paid ads for us, what they really are is more like jet fuel. We got the car going down the road at a good speed, doing organic, and now we're going to come in and add jet fuel to make it go faster. We're just paying for more exposure on the platforms, mostly organic though.
0: So talk a little bit about your organic strategy. What does that involve?
1: Yeah. So I get myself out there. I do a combination of things. We've got some pages like business pages and some groups that essentially we're going out there and we're, we we go very, very niche and we get people to respond to whatever the niche messages. So let me give you an example. I got a client that he really loves probates. So the very first thing that I do when I'm working with someone is I say, okay, well, your niche, you love probates, right? Okay, cool. Tell me, what is it that makes a probate seller wake up at night worrying about something? What do they get frustrated about? And so then we start just brainstorming. We write down all these things. And maybe you guys, even in the comments, you can tell us, yeah. what what do you think it is that a probate seller would get maybe a little bit worried about? What might wake them up at night or frustrate them? And so we're, we're jamming. We're writing down all these ideas. Typically, what we'll do is we'll fill up a whole like sheet of paper with just ideas And then we'll come back and we'll circle the top three. And I can't see the comments that are coming through right now, but did anybody?
0: Yes and no. People are commenting, but they're asking questions. Cool. Cool. There might be a delay.
1: I'll let you know if one comes up. Cool. Cool. So typically like with probate sellers, Mm -hmm. what they're frustrated or worried about is what am I going to do with mom and dad's stuff? What am I going to do? I don't want to argue with my brother or my sister about what to do with the property. And it's important that we categorize it how they say it, not how we say it necessarily, because they, most probate sellers, they don't even know what a probate seller means. Oh, yeah. So we got to say it exactly how they say it. What am I going to do with mom and dad's stuff? Once we nail that, this is going to be the headline of either our business page or our group. So we're literally going to use that as a headline. And then we're going to drive people to that group that are in that how, circumstance. Wait, wait, are you... Are you talking about creating a group that you're sending
0: people to, or are you talking about joining another group?
1: Yeah, no one will create your own, or this works on a business page as well. You don't necessarily have to have the group. You just have to have a spot where people can come and hang out. Think of it like, kind of like this. You're hosting this event right now. It's kind of like your own online virtual party. And what we're doing, you're bringing together a whole bunch of people that want to hear this message. Well, imagine if we want to go out and get probate sellers, we got to go out and put out a message that probate sellers wanna hear. You gotta enter the conversation that they're having in their head. Like, I don't wanna argue with my brother about what to do with the house. I don't know what to do with mom and dad's stuff. So we put out messages like that and bring them to a place. So it doesn't matter where the place is per se. It doesn't have to be a group. It can be a page. You can even, I've got clients that stream right from their personal profile. The message is the most important part. We have to get the message out that actually is gonna move the needle for them. So we essentially just try to add value each week to whatever they're doing. And then we can usually get them by the end of the broadcast to raise their hand to us in the comments and say, yeah, I'd like help. Or yeah, I'd like a fair offer on my property.
0: Nathan Wall is a good comment here. They would be worried about how to pay the mortgage for the inherited property.
1: Yeah, Nathan. Very good point. They do. They stress about taxes, insurance, mortgage payments. So Maria here says to probate family attorney, how much are we going to get How much taxes are we gonna have to pay? These are great. So so Maria, Nathan, and then the others that are circling with comments, we just fill out a whole sheet of paper with all those. And we're gonna pick the top three to start with. And those become our marketing messages to drive that person to wherever we're gonna have our online party, I'll call it. Now, I mentioned niche, and this is where most people fail. Most people, they go broad, like, hey, we buy houses. And then I'll tell them like, well, no, 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 you got to be niche. And then they'll say, well, Nate, hold on. No, I, I can buy all kinds of houses. I can buy probate, pre foreclosures. I can buy it all. I want to go broad. And I, I'll tell you right now in the marketing world, Joe, you know this better than anybody. The more niche we are, the better the messaging works. Oh,
0: yeah. The riches are in the niches. Nailed it. What are some
1: niches? then? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you one. Uh, Cincinnati duplex owners thinking of selling can't get any more black and white than that can't get any more specific with the niche that's who's going to join that that little party that online party it's going to be duplex sellers in cincinnati that are thinking about selling so you're again you're talking about creating a page around that or even a
0: facebook group around that subject about that around that niche mm-hmm. and just getting people to you're posting things in there you are getting people trying to discuss and raise their hands inside those groups you're not talking about joining another group that maybe is like those garage sale buy sale trade groups in different cities that every city has you're
1: not talking about joining those groups right no there are ways to do that and monetize that but that's kind of like the old days of going into craigslist and just kind of searching and you know hunting and pecking that can work but i prefer sellers coming to me asking for help so the way that we the way that we do that is we basically start our own little backyard barbecue party online on social media, and then we get our message out, we speak to them, we serve them, we genuinely serve them. And then at the end of whatever our service message is, then we just say, hey, if you're looking to potentially sell and you want a fair offer, just comment below fair offer. And my team and I will we'll get connected with you. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Every time I do it, there's three to 50, depends on how big we do it and all that kind of stuff. But on a small day, I'll get like three sellers. Me, yeah, fair
0: offer. It's so crazy. I've never heard of this before. How do you get people there to that group or that page? What do you do?
1: Yeah, that would probably take me 10 days to do it. But, you know, marketing. So on a high level, it's you can do it two different ways. You can either if you're let me say like this, if you're going to like grow a garden, you got to plant seeds, you got to water, you got to weed. So you can either organically go and plant seeds, telling people, hey, I got this backyard barbecue party over here. Here's what we're talking about. You can organically do that, which works. Or you can just give Facebook some money and say, hey, please go plant my seeds. Bring people to this thing. Boom. And then you bring people to it. So both ways work. It's actually the organic way works better. It just takes more time. It takes like sure. an hour a day. The paid way also works. It just uh, it's not as as effective. It costs more to do that. Yeah. But if you're if your time is more valuable than money, then paid ads is the way to go. And your paid ads again are not, hey, you want to sell your house, fill out your information below? I've done them and in some markets, they still can work. But what's happened, it's not just other real estate investors. It's the political candidates. It's all the mom and pop businesses. It's the big businesses. They've all had to move online in the last year and a half to basically pull their commerce off of it. Right now, like you cannot go to a restaurant without seeing people staring down at their phone. It's just where business is happening. So because of that mass movement that solidified like online business and advertising. Now you got to be more creative. You can't just, well, I can't say you can't just, but it's harder to just slap up a, I'll buy your house sign in social media. You got to be more creative because that's become old already. All right, so what are some other examples of a niched audience? You talked about probates. You
0: talked about Cincinnati investors that own duplexes. What are some other
1: examples? Uh, Multi-family sellers in Lexington, Kentucky, thinking about selling. So like city name, I like to get really specific with it. I don't like to go broad. If you go too broad, then you're going to basically people will tune you out, but go with city specific and then spell out exactly who you want to come join your party. Um, one more tip on this. That party, the reason we have to be niche, We imagine yourself having this backyard party in real life. You wouldn't, like if you had 80 year olds hanging out in one corner and you had teenagers over here in the other, they would not like... They would not commingle. They would not like the party and eventually both would leave. And so that's the problem when we try to do these big, broad messages like, hey, we buy houses. Yeah, you'll get some, but are you gonna attract this specific niche that you wanna serve and are you gonna get them at the highest level? No. Instead, let's just focus on the seniors for this party. And then it's totally okay to have another party over here in the online world. It takes all of 10 minutes to put it together. Let's have another party over here for the teenagers. Mm -hmm. So we might say probates over here. We might say pre-foreclosures over here but we gotta be niche. We gotta be so, so niche. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that's really good. Can you do the same thing on YouTube? Um, I haven't hacked it like that far. What I've done when I run paid ads on Facebook is if they do an opt-in, then I'll take their email and I'll, I'll come become omnipresent in their world or I'll go to YouTube and other Google platforms and I'll just upload their email. And then usually I can put ads back in front of them like at a 70% match rate or so.
0: Yeah, so you could even do an ad that says, hey, do you own a duplex in Cincinnati, Ohio? And are you over the age of 65?
1: You Uh, could, Yeah. yeah. It can help you, right? Yep, yep. Once you get them to opt in on the first platform, then you can totally target them on the second platform. Absolutely. All right, so you are getting them to opt in. If I run ads, so that's like a smaller percentage of the leads that I get today, I lean really heavy on organic. It's just working better right now.
0: So then you get them to a Facebook group or a Facebook page. Do you allow them to post or are you controlling it where only you are posting?
1: Either can work. We've got some folks that are doing like major control and others folks are running it more like a buy set by sell kind of group. So either can work. The most important thing is how are you showing up? Yeah, you've got to show up, period. Yeah, yeah. And, and planting the seeds. Like if you're not going to pay for ads to get people to show up to your backyard par- barbecue party, then you got to go plant the seeds. If you don't do that, none of this stuff will work.
0: All right. So then when you do show up, what are you doing? Are you are you doing this every day? Are you asking questions, trying to generate some conversations, start some
1: conversations? No, I go back to my list of all the things that wake them up at night and I talk about one item each week and I I go as deep as I can, at least that I have the knowledge of that I'm truly going to be able to serve them. I'll go fairly deep on it, five to seven minutes at least. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll make it Q&A If I got people there that are on the live and they want to talk, then I'll just say, hey, drop your questions below and we'll go back and forth. And then sometimes I'll just pop on and tell stories about sellers that we're helping. Like I got a chance to help this woman named Cynthia. Her her husband had passed away. She had three kids. So she's a widow with kids. And like, I know what the Bible says explicitly about widows and children. And so right away, I, I tell Cynthia, hey, and why don't we list this with a realtor? I want to see you get top dollar. And Cynthia said, Nate, I already tried. I'm too late. I've already got the final notice, they've scheduled the foreclosure or the sheriff sale. Anyways, we end up stepping in, we save her equity, we help her like right at the 11th hour because we only had 10 days to do this. And so sometimes I'll jump on and I'll share that story. Sometimes I'll share a story about a husband and wife, the Setakoski family that we got to help. Whatever it is, like I'm just trying to educate them in different ways. And what I found no different than like on this broadcast right now and what makes your podcast so good, Joe, is like you you teach from the heart, you tell a lot of stories. And like the the Bible, one of the best selling books of all time, it's it's a book full of stories. So if you're in doubt and you don't know what to talk about, go back to your lists and share stories about how you can help with that list. And by the way, did you know the Bible is also the most shoplifted
0: book? No, <laughs> really? Yeah. I did
1: not know that.
0: I don't know where, or why I heard that, but yeah, it's of course it's like any any book that's going to be the best selling
1: book of all time is probably also going to have the most shot, lifted, stolen. I, I, I wonder. I wonder how the thief feels when they open up with the Ten Commandments and it says, "Thou shall not steal." Like, well,
0: you know, know they're, they're going to steal any book. I'd rather them steal a Bible, right? I don't think God would mind that much. True. True. But uh, <laughs> okay, Jim's got a good question here. I think we might have already answered it, but you create a Facebook page with specific niche customers, how are seeds
1: planted? Yeah, there's so many ways to do it, but literally like going out and telling people, like uh, Joe, you said earlier, what about other groups? You can go to other groups, you can tell people, you can go to buy sell groups and tell people. If you're gonna manually or organically do it, then you just go out there everywhere and spread the word. Tell them, hey, I got this really cool backyard barbecue party over here, you should probably come check it out if you're this kind of person. So just spell out who you're looking for. It's gonna automatically repel those who you're not looking for, and it's gonna get people to, to jump into wherever you got your party going on. Mm-hmm. And I want to make clear too, like it, this doesn't have to be a group. It doesn't have to be a page per se. Like these are just two spots that are pretty easy to put up. But like literally people do this on their personal profile and you get quite a bit of exposure. You don't get the same reach that you used to get, but you still get a lot. So like for me on my Facebook feed, I think I have like 4,700 friends on Facebook. And I probably get at least 400 to 600 people that can pop on and see what I'm doing without paying Facebook any money. So it's, it's quite a bit of exposure. Nice. And why not do all three, right? Sure.
0: Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. What else do you do on social media? And by the way, Trevor, uh, Nathan, you guys are asking some good groups. I am going to pop your question up here. But uh, what are some other social media types of marketing that you like to do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Instagram has become quite the powerhouse. We, it's not exactly the demographic that gets us the most properties because it's a little bit younger crowd. Typically home ownership is a little bit older, so to speak. Not always, but sometimes. So, but Instagram can work, especially if you're um, for buyers, if you're going to get into wholesaling, then you just want to get the attention of buyers. There's so many of them out there. You don't have to work very hard at it, but to get their attention, you literally just flash. In their Instagram, like it'll pop up at the top on on Facebook, it'll come across the top of your screen. And then if they're directly on Instagram, it'll pop up as an ad. But I like Instagram for that. And then I previously mentioned YouTube, there's one thing that I use it for. And it's to become omnipresent in someone's world. So like, if you've ever clicked on an ad before, I know this, my wife, she was shopping for some kind of boots before a wedding. And all of a sudden, for like three days, I could not go to any web page on her computer without seeing those boots pop up. So that's like omnipresent. If you want that, then you can do it. Google has a ton of syndicate relationships across the web with like Time Magazine and it, they're just everywhere. It's so funny, my, my kids play these
0: games sometimes that have ads on them. Yeah. And I hate them because, you know, you just don't know what kind of ad they're going to show. But Sometimes they'll see ads of me. They're like, dad, you're on my phone. Yeah. Oh, and then what's worse is when you get people from church that see your ads. Like No, but anyway, cool. So I love that. And social media, I think a lot of people take it for granted and don't expect that you can actually still do deals from it. Um, let me, we're getting some questions here, Nate. We're going to wrap it up in just a minute. You know, doing deals virtually, do you mainly focus on doing the strategy in your hometown where you can go visit the seller or do you do it virtually in
1: other markets? I'm almost all virtual right now. And this is a great question. the The world has shifted, really. Fundamentals of real estate have shifted. The seller no longer expects, nor and sometimes doesn't want you to come meet them because they might have health fears and things like that. So uh, especially, we were already doing some virtual before the whole shakeup, but now that the shakeup has happened, we start virtually. And then if, it, if we're sensing that the seller is leaning towards more of an in-person, then we'll send either a contractor, a trusted realtor that we've got a relationship with, or a property manager, just to walk it, shake hands, take pictures, and then we coordinate the rest of it by phone. Do you target a state, counties? Do you target small markets? Or do you know I know some people
0: that are doing Facebook ads that go nationwide, maybe exclude New York and California, but mm-hmm. just get leads, you know, and, and Facebook does a pretty good job of like giving you cheap leads when you the wider you go, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And we've got some clients that do that. I don't play the big, big, wide game. I'd rather go super deep in my own like niche market. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Number one reason When you get a deal under contract, how fast can you move it? Most people would never believe me, but like our deals move. Sometimes we just have one go a couple days ago in 12 minutes. We've had other ones that go in an hour and people are like, what? That's not even possible. Well, it is when you've gone really deep in the market and you've already got buyers that trust you and like you and they get a text from you that says, hey, I got one over here. What do you think? And then they just text back and they say, yes, I want it. And then the other component is the team members on the ground, like the title company. If you're, if you're trying to do a new market every day because there's a new deal in a new city, then you got to get a new title company. You got to get potentially new insurance referrals if you're, if you're going to keep it. You got like, there's so much to think about. You're almost recreating a business every day if you have to do that. I'd rather go really deep with one team that I know is going to perform over and over again. So will you target maybe a central Wisconsin or will you go the entire state of Wisconsin? How do you do it? No, a 25-mile radius if I'm going to run an ad. And then see, like, I'll do three or four cities. So I might have a 25 mile radius here. And then I got another suburb up here and then another area of the core city over here. But I, I go pretty, pretty darn niche.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I had somebody here that asked, uh, Trevor, and we kind of just answered this.
1: How do you manage lease options in other States? So do you do deals
0: in other States? Or you tend
1: to? So I do, but I usually wholesale them. So I'm, I'm probably not the expert there, but I'll flip that back to our friend, Joe. (laughs) Joe, what do you do with lease options in other states?
0: I use local realtors. It's really simple. It's not that hard. Um, Local realtors are amazing. You know, I I kind of, for years, had this thing like uh, anti-realtor, like realtors hated us. We hate realtors, you know, but it's not really that way. And there's a lot of hungry realtors out there that are open to more creative type of real estate. As long as they're getting paid, you know, that's all they care about. For the most part, right? You've got to do the right thing. Cool. We've got a lot of good questions here. We have answered a lot of them already. Cool. Nate, how can people get a hold of you? And is there anything that we didn't talk about? Maybe a better, is there another question that I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's one. This is kind of on my heart, but most adults, like we try something and we fail and we give up really fast because we associate pain or failure with that, whatever we tried. And I'm just going to say this, like if you tried some kind of marketing in the past and it didn't go the way you planned, you got to get through it. Think of it more like this. I got a one-year-old, we got a little boy running around the house now, his name is John. And so John's running around. And as parents, we're going through that phase of where he's going from crawling into walking and he's fallen flat on his face a couple of times. Like it stops my heart. And I just want to like pick him up and say, no, 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 no more walking. I'm just going to carry you. But I know that if I don't let him continue to walk, he'd never walk. So it'd be yeah. ludicrous to think that I'd ever stop it. But as adults, for some reason, we fall flat in our face once and we're just like, no, I'm done. I, I would just encourage you, like the marketing right now has never been easier than it has in our lifetime before to reach people. You can get people through the click of your thumb or your mouse on a computer. Yeah. And so give yourself permission to walk again. Give yourself permission to get back in the game and make real estate happen. It's, it's a golden time right now. That's really good reminds me of the story of a, a lady who saw, or a guy, I don't know, but somebody saw a
0: cocoon and the butterfly was trying to get out of the cocoon. And so she gently tried to break the cocoon to help the butterfly get out, but the butterfly died. Part of that process of getting out of that cocoon is using its muscles to break the thing open, so, which helps them fly. So if you try to interrupt that process, sometimes we learn best from our mistakes and from our failures. But the people that succeed in this business, they succeed not because they're not making any mistakes, but they pick themselves up and they learn how learn from their mistakes. Cause I say this all the time too, Nate, and no two deals are ever the same. Every single deal is different. It's gonna have unique problems and challenges that come up, right? Yeah. I wish it was easier. <laughs> That's the way it is. Okay, Nate, how can people get a hold of you? What's your main website?
1: Yeah, really simple social media with Nate dot com social media with nate.com put a slash joe on it and i'll make sure because we love the lease option world I'll, I'll make sure that we get you some some fun lease option specific social media templates
0: is that good right there social media with nate.com Dot com slash, joe. slash joe you got it boom social wow, fast.
1: You're, you're good
0: with nate.com slash joe cool and so what can they get when they go there
1: Yeah, I'm going to I'm literally going to make this up on the fly, just so you know, but um, I would go there now. If you're watching this live, it may not be up yet. Yeah, it made a few minutes. The site will the site will be there. It's right now. What it will do is it'll let you like if you actually want to get on the phone and you want to jam and look at your business and look at how you could potentially install social media, then you can book a call there. If you don't want to talk, that's cool, cool, too. That's fine. But when on the other side of it, what we're going to have for you is some templates for lease option-specific social media posts. Nice. If you want to get sellers that will potentially do lease options with you, then use this template that we'll hook you up with.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Nate. Socialmediawithnate.com slash Joe. Socialmediawithnate.com slash Joe. Go check that out. Nate, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, I you know I did I wrote down a question that I wanted to ask you. I always like knowing what books people are reading. So I wanted to ask you., uh, do you have a book that you are reading right now that you feel like is a really good book for people?
1: Yeah, spoiler alert, you're reading the same one right now. Uh, one hundred million dollar offers. i'm I've literally just got it on my phone and I'm waiting for the hard copy to arrive in a couple of days. But Alex Fermosi, he's nailed it, and um i'll I'll tell our real estate investor friends, If you're not selling a lot of properties right now, if that's your intent to like wholesale or whatever it is, you're probably missing some things. Your offers might be boring. They're not quite attractive enough because the market's on fire right now. Read Alex's book and you'll probably get inspired to have a few more ideas on how you can make your properties move faster.
0: The whole premise is make an offer so good that somebody would feel stupid to say no. Right. So when, and I've always done that, I love that. When I'm trying to sell a deal to a tenant buyer or to an investor buyer, an owner occupant, I'm always thinking about, What's in it for them? What are they looking at when they look at this deal? How can I make this a better, sweeter deal for them that will make them want to jump through hoops to get in the first of the line to get this deal for them? You know, it may be as simple as getting the financing in place for your investor buyer. You know, talk to some hard money lender and try to find a hard money lender that will look at the house and say, yeah, we'll lend money on that deal. You know? So now you can advertise that property with the financing already in place. Maybe it's a local bank, right? Maybe it's a mortgage broker that you're working with that can help your tenant buyers that work with people who have challenged credit. You get their credit fixed in six to 12 months. And now you can advertise a property with special credit repair involved, you know, for free included whatever. But yeah, just thinking bigger, thinking about, all right, how can I make this deal, this offer so good that people will feel stupid if they say no. Maybe there's a better way to phrase it. Yeah. Great book. It's called 100 Million Offers, $100 Million Offers. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, 100. It's the money symbol 100 with a big M and then yes. offers.
0: I've been reading it on Kindle. I'm 25% of the way through right a really good book. Alex Hermosi. You can find it on Amazon, I think. Um, that's where I got it. Cool. Nate, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it very much.
1: Yeah, Jill. Thanks, man. Looking forward to connecting again in the future.
0: Cool. Uh, Abner is saying the link is not working, but it will be soon. So we just, Nate, give, give him a few minutes. He'll get it up there later today. All right. Thanks again, Nate. We'll see you all later, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.